your excitement for the idea that we're not only highlighting climate action and sustainable living abroad, but encouraging students to stay in their host community and learn from that community. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of World Strides Inaugural Podcast, Changing Lives Through Education Abroad, a weekly series of conversations with international education's most interesting thought leaders, as well as discussions on emerging trends, best practices, and innovation happening in our field. I'm your host, Zach Bakitas, Senior Director of Campus Partnerships with World Strides, and I am so excited about today's episode. Today, we are exploring new and innovative ways to encourage our students to stay local during their education abroad program. I'm excited to be joined by my new friend, Kate Manny, the Director of Education Abroad at Penn State University. Penn State Global has designated two weekends in the spring semester as Stay Local Weekends for their Education Abroad students. During these weekends, students pledge to stay local to their host city and explore the area around them instead of traveling to other cities and countries, and they receive a stipend to do so. I love this initiative because it combines two things that I care deeply about, sustainable travel and encouraging students to immerse themselves in the life of their host city. You do not want to miss this episode. Kate, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat a little bit about this and other sustainability topics also. I can't wait to dig in. Um, Kate, could you start by describing your current role at Penn State University to us? I am the Director of Education Abroad at Penn State. Uh, I'm within the main Penn State Global Office. We serve all 24 Penn State campuses across the Commonwealth, as well as serving students who attend our Penn State World Campus, which is our totally online campus. So my job varies a lot from day to day. I really do see the priority of my work at this really interesting time for our field in being finding ways to get to yes to almost any idea that comes across uh, my desk. And so that includes a real priority on advocating for resources, um, empowering the folks that work in our office in Penn State Global to be change makers within whatever sphere of influence that they have themselves and to come up with new ideas and figure out how to implement them and just get out of their way. But I'm also a liaison and collaborator with colleagues who work in all of the different academic colleges and campuses across the state of Pennsylvania. So working with faculty to advance their international priorities and the way that they intersect with undergraduate student populations, and also um, making sure that our colleagues who do advising or um, are working in other intersections with students uh, have what they need to be able to support the entire university's global mission. I love what you said about finding ways to get to yes. I'm going to have to steal that one. Uh, (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. And then you've touched upon this uh, a bit already, but could you share a little bit about the education abroad ecosystem at Penn State? Yes, it's a kind of unique setup within the field of education abroad. People often ask, are you centralized or decentralized? I struggle to answer that question. And I usually say we are a centralized decentralized version. So each academic unit, every college um, at University Park or every campus across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has at least one person that might be faculty or staff who work on education abroad and or global learning initiatives for their academic unit, college campus, etc. 
We also have our central education abroad office, which sits within Penn State Global. And ultimately, every single student who is studying abroad or every single faculty member who is leading an education abroad course or program is coming through us for the application process, for pre-departure orientation, for training of faculty and things like that. So we are a large enterprise and we're sort of always trying to respond to the needs that are very different if we're talking about students, you know, at a Penn State campus that has 600 students that attend that campus or, you know, here at University Park where we have 40,000 undergraduates plus trying to just adapt for scale and scope for every idea that we're working with. That's very impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so impressed by the scale of what you and your team are doing at Penn State. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. All right. So let's let's dig into it. Tell us about the Stay Local Weekends initiative, Kate. How did it come about? We have been working very diligently on incorporating the sustainable development goals into actions of Penn State Global, the university um, at large as well as trying to think of more practical student-facing, eye-catching initiatives that relate to student sustainability and the climate crisis. So we were actually really inspired by CANI, the Climate Action Network for International Educators, having recently attended a webinar that they hosted on encouraging sustainable travel for folks who work within the international education sector and had some really practical takeaways from that on how we as a staff can force ourselves to make choices of which conferences are we going to and why, and how are we going to get there, and how are we gonna make the most of the time that we have in that location and region, et cetera. And I thought, how can we take that exact same idea and apply it to the thousands of students that we're working with who are studying abroad every year, So this is how the Stay Local idea came about for spring of 2023. We called it a pilot. um, And we have found here that if we call something a pilot, we can sort of like try anything we want um, and see how it goes and then try to fine tune it to, to keep it going. So the details of how it works is we selected two weekends for spring of 2023 semester that we would try to incentivize students to stay local. We offered $100 mini grants that students can use in their local community if they pledge to stay in their host city, host community for that weekend. They sign a pledge form and on that pledge form, we're asking them, what are you going to do in your host city? Tell us a little bit about what you think this weekend is going to look like for you. Did you cancel any plans to go somewhere else? If so, like what made you make that decision? Where were you going to go? If you plan to do that travel again later in the semester, what's that going to look like now that you've had the opportunity to reflect a little bit on carbon intensive travel? And then what other ideas do you have that Penn State could implement to encourage climate action among our education abroad students? So we were really intentional with the pledge in hearing from them about what they're excited about, what they're going to do in their host community, but also what they think we should be doing as international educators to continue advancing sustainability and climate action. I love that you're, you know, collecting what your students are, are doing instead of traveling those weekends. I bet those you found some really interesting, interesting yeah, stories. It, it, it runs the gamut from napping and laundry to volunteer activities, to citywide cleanups, um, going to the movies, going to museums, you know, everything you could imagine. I love it. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, Kate, I believe your students actually receive a stipend yes. um, to participate in these activities. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So um, it's 2023. I live in the reality that money can 
change people's minds and hearts about a lot of things. And students, you know, I'm acutely aware of the financial crises that are hitting their families and themselves. Uh, and we thought, what's a way that we could have a small amount of money to help people get excited about this initiative, but that they could also use to buy groceries and cook a meal that's, you know, representative of local cuisine or even treat their friends to go out for lunch while they're in town that that weekend if they happen to be the winner. So we have 20 grants that we set aside of $100. So our budget was $2,000 for this pilot idea. And for the two weekends, we picked 10 participants from our February Stay Local and 10 participants from our April Stay Local and announced that they would be receiving the $100 grants to use in their local host communities. They can buy local transport tickets so they're not doing carbon intensive travel. So that's been a really fun way to get students interested. And we do find that subject lines of emails that say win $100 certainly get opened at a higher rate than emails that have any other type of subject line. Um, so that's been you know fun to kind of even learn ourselves how to modify the way that we're promoting ideas that we have to the students. That's really interesting. And you know, what an impressive commitment on, on the part of your, your unit to fund this. I'm, I'm very impressed. So we as study abroad practitioners, Kate, of course, understand the beauty of a slower place abroad and the importance of deepening connection to a place and community. That said, I'm always inspired to see the world in new ways through the eyes of my students. What about Stay Local has surprised or inspired you and your team? First, we've been inspired by some of the ideas that students have written in on their pledge forms when they're pledging to stay in their host community, either for the February weekend or for this April weekend. The things that they say they're going to do in terms of volunteer work or even helping classmates with assignments, doing group work and things like that. I didn't expect students to actually say they were studying the weekend that they were staying and they are. So that's been inspiring. But also seeing when we've asked them on that form, what might we as international educators be doing to scale up sustainability and climate action efforts at Penn State the ideas that they have for things we could be incorporating into our pre-departure orientation, the ideas of having a vegetarian and vegan only um, study abroad itinerary for a short-term program. I mean, students are smarter and more passionate than anyone in my office could ever be. And they are so in tune with what will resonate with other students that that's been a tremendous inspiration to us on top of seeing photos of what students have been doing during that, our previous weekend in February, our stay local. It's been totally inspiring um, and has given us a lot of ideas of how to continue this and ramp it up for the coming academic year. I share your excitement for the idea that we're not only highlighting climate action and sustainable living abroad, but encouraging students to stay in their host community and learn from that community. That's been something that international educators and education abroad professionals have really been trying to come back to as travel has become a lot easier for students who are studying abroad is trying to um, de-emphasize that part of the weekends, right? There is value in seeing other places, but there's a lot of value in staying where you are. There's also value in providing an opportunity for students who maybe don't have those resources to travel extensively on the weekends to have their roommates stay with them. So students who have a higher level of financial independence might be traveling every single weekend of a study abroad program and their roommate is not. So the stay local weekend really creates a community cohort 
where students have a reason to stay together and explore that community on the weekend. Absolutely. You know, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times that I've had conversations with students about, you know, who've returned from study abroad and were just a little bummed that they didn't make very many local friends. And then, you know, my, my question to them is always, well, what did you do on the weekends? You know, often if you're, if they're traveling every weekend, it, it can be hard to, to forge those connections and, and make local friends. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like the, you know, the, the ability to, for a student to deepen a connection to their host city just by the mere aspect of being there. More. Yes, we certainly hope that that is one of the outcomes of this initiative. We've not dug quite deep enough into the participants experience to be able to say for sure that that's happened. But one thing we have tried at, at small scale and are really intending to ramp up for fall of 23 and spring of 24 is partnering with host institutions on site to provide local activities that allow for that immersion and that cross-cultural experience in a deeper way. But when we have local partners offering sustainability lectures, local wine tasting and sustainability of wine production, city cleanups, other activities like that, our participation rates in those two cities, Rome and Florence, went through the roof compared to the participation rates for Stay Local in other locations where the partner on the ground was not offering those local community interactions. So we really see that as the big opportunity to scale up for fall and spring of next year, while also providing students exactly those opportunities that you spoke about, engagement with local folks who maybe live across the hall from them um, in their apartment building or who work in the cafe at the bottom of their dormitory, and they're just not usually there on Saturday and Sunday, so they haven't been able to make those connections. Yeah, really well said. I think that that might be a, a great lesson for all of us who are listening, who want to encourage students just to, to stay local more as like, you know, if we as practitioners can find way to offer intentional programming to our students on those weekends, in ways that connects them in a sustainable way to their community. Maybe that's, maybe that's the incentive that helps them Absolutely. Stay. And I think that's our one of our biggest lessons at Penn State is that you don't have to do any of this alone. There are a lot of people who really care about advancing all of these ideas and sort of start making these initiatives internal to their own organization. And part of the reason that we have been so vocal on sharing our initiatives through LinkedIn, through press releases, through news stories and at conferences is so that people who are doing similar things can go like, oh my gosh, we should be doing this together. Or maybe we could do a pre-departure Zoom with students from your university and students from my university. The messaging is the same. Why are we doing these sessions separately when we could just be joining forces, making less work for everyone, but making the impact be much greater? You know, so the Stay Local program is a perfect example of small actions collectively making a big difference. How do you see this initiative developing in future terms? Yeah, we've been really pleased through recent presentations that we've done at in-person and virtual conferences and discussions that have come out of those, you know, kind of collegial opportunities and professional development opportunities that we have learned of people who are doing similar initiatives, but have maybe not given it a name or who have maybe not put a pledge in place that feels kind of formal for students. And so we're trying to kind of get those folks together, as well as bring new folks into the fold from sending universities in the U.S., from third-party partners, and from host institutions abroad to create a real visual 
presence. So we have created a public a website called staylocalabroad.org where institutions who think this idea is interesting can just go there and look at what types of emails did we send to students? What types of budget did we build? How did we initiate some of these scholarship or mini grant opportunities? How did we work on partnerships on the ground? And who has already signed on to be doing this either as a sending institution or a host institution? Um, it's all you know open access information. And folks can even fill out a form that says, I would really like to talk to someone about how to implement this at my institution or how to partner. Uh, but they can also say, hey, I'm already doing this. I didn't know you were doing it. Let's put, put my logo for my institution on this website and let's grow the visibility of this type of movement so that it feels accessible to folks who are maybe encountering an idea like this for the first time and want to see who else is already working on it, how might I collaborate or just learn from someone who's already been implementing it. Yeah, it's just, you know, amongst all the other things that I love about this initiative, it's just, it's just really good branding, right, <laughs> for students. It's, it, it's easy for students yes. to understand and it's easy to articulate. Right. So I think there's a, there's a lot of power That's in right. that. So Stay Local is just one piece of the impressive body of work done by Penn State Global uh, with the goal of sustainability in mind. What are some other ways Penn State staff incorporate the overarching goal of sustainability in day-to-day -day education abroad practices? We've certainly been inspired and guided by organizations like the Forum and their guidelines for advancing the UN Sustainable Development Goals through CANI, Climate Action Network for International Educators. Um, NAFSA has a sustainability member interest group that's been really great. So we've taken inspiration from those areas um, and have really had intentional collaborations with faculty and staff who are part of the Penn State Sustainability Institute part of our College of Agricultural Sciences. We have a sustainability and education abroad working group that crosses academic units and our central office. And we've kind of built those networks really intentionally to be able to carry out some of these other ideas aside from Stay Local. Stay Local was truly a last minute idea, December, 2022. Like maybe we could do this for spring of 2023. Nothing at Penn State works that fast, but if you just like, Think of what is the least amount of time we could invest in something. Okay, it's emailing, it's trying to get two partners on board, and it's $100 instead of asking to give students $1,000. You can kind of get things together pretty quickly. So that was our last minute idea that has come on the tail end of some other more intentional things that we've been doing, such as um, faculty leader training and workshops. More than two thirds of our Penn State students who study abroad are doing so with a faculty leader from Penn State. So we saw that as a huge opportunity to make sure that our faculty leaders had an opportunity to learn about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, to incorporate them into their course syllabi and their travel itineraries in an intentional way. So we partnered with the Sustainability Institute at Penn State to offer a three-part workshop series for program leaders last year. Incredibly successful super high level of engagement among our leaders um, and for anyone who participated in that workshop and we had to turn people away there was so much interest we provided a small stipend to the leader and also a program grant to help make the program more affordable for students participating it in the following year so that was a really fun initiative uh, that we felt like had big impact because of the number of students going abroad with our leaders our own faculty leaders we're launching a new pre-departure orientation, kind of like a speed session, 30 minutes on Zoom about like 
quick action. What are the UN SDGs? What is the climate crisis? How does international travel and study abroad contribute to the climate crisis? And what can a student do? We want this to be really student focused. We want to have a lot of dialogue. Um, so we're launching that uh, two weeks from now, super exciting. Um, we're doing a sustainability action day on campus. So students who went abroad on short-term programs over spring break, plus our study abroad students who are going abroad in summer, plus our exchange students who are here on campus, plus our international students who are here on campus are all getting invited to learn about sustainability for 30 minutes before our big blue-white football game. Football is very important here at Penn State and at many other uh, universities here in the U.S. So we thought, how can we take that interest and channel it into action? Those students will be doing 30 minutes of learning and then two hours of volunteering at tailgates, helping folks understand the importance of composting, recycling, and, and the trash system here at Penn State. Uh, and then we'll throw a tailgate for them before they go into the game for free. So that'll be a really like high visibility event that we're excited about. On the more curricular side, we've done mapping of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which ones are integrated into our education abroad program so that students can easily kind of tailor their search to programs that meet their curricular interests on sustainability. Um, and we've also been very intentional with our event planning and execution over the last two years. So paper light events, we cannot say paper free, um, but almost waste free because we have a really robust composting program here at Penn State. We learned that we just had to teach people coming to our events about it, whether they be external exhibitors or students themselves. Everything we've given you, here's what you do with it. These things go in recycling. These things go in composting. These things go here and there. We have found you can put as much money and time into planning your event responsibly, but if your attendees don't understand why you've made those choices, and then what to do with the compostable ice cream bowl you've given them and the compostable ice cream spoon to eat your Penn State made ice cream that we make here on campus, then you've kind of wasted your money and your time in buying those higher price items because people are putting them in the trash anyways, for example. So a lot of um, posters being made and a lot of environmental ambassadors coming to our events and helping attendees understand how to maximize our efforts. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Many students understandably wish to maximize their experience abroad. However, what maximizing can mean is malleable and personal. How can we as advisors best begin these sorts of conversations with students who may initially think that their time abroad should be about collecting as many passport stamps as possible? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think anyone has that totally figured out at this point, but our approach that we are always adapting and fine-tuning is to have the information available in as many places as possible. So on our website in written form, will anyone stumble across it? Maybe or probably not because, right, we all just Google what we want and then, you know, get, get to our pages. But also on the individual program pages, just having some reference to sustainability climate considerations, um, and responsible travel on every individual program page that people might apply to. In our general pre-departure orientation, which is online modules, also having very similar references to, hey, you're going to be traveling. What does that mean? What is the impact that it has? How can you be a bit more thoughtful during your time abroad and even in how you're getting there? And then doing uh, this Zoom session that I referenced, right? So students who 
really want to opt into a more intentional conversation about this before they go, have an outlet to do that. That'll be like an evening Zoom. Students from any of our 24 campuses can easily come to it. It's 30 minutes. They can fit it in after dinner and before whatever they do, you know, and later in the evening. And then making sure our faculty leaders, again, two thirds of our students are studying abroad with one of our own professors, making sure the faculty leaders have the toolkits and the, the basic knowledge base to be addressing this on site as well um, when students are either asking questions or you know sharing concern about some of the climate impacts that they might be seeing in their host community that are not as obvious to them here on our Penn State campuses. And so what is your advice, Kate, for ways that any office, whether large or small, who want to begin incorporating sustainable practices into their existing programs, programming and outreach? How can people get started? Sure. I can tell you how we got started because I think it translates well, whether you're a team of one or you're a team of 20. We got out a Google spreadsheet that, and I said, anyone who wants access to this can have access to it. I shared it. It's in our group folder. And any idea you ever have about sustainability, sustainable development goals, climate action, student outreach, just put it in this spreadsheet. And the first column is, what is your idea? The second column is, how much time do you think it would take to implement this idea? The next column is, how much money do you think it would take to implement this idea? And the next column is, how many people do you think you would need to help you implement this idea? So after a couple of weeks, we had what I now call the A to Z because it, it the first list was 26 items. So it was A to Z. And we organized them by things that take low time, low human resource, and low money, grouped all those together. We did the next with like low time, but a little more human resource investment and a little more money and just sort of like mapped out for ourselves, what could we get done really fast with no money? Because this was during the height of COVID. We didn't have any money and we weren't sending any students abroad. So how are we like reformatting our time to advance some of these ideas? I can tell you by now we've done all 26 of them to at least some degree, but those ones that were high human resource and high money certainly took a lot longer to implement because of the buy-in that was going to be necessary from other units or, you know, people that hold the purse strings. What a great way to encourage good ideas amongst your team. Yeah, it's been fun. We're trying to now do that same idea sharing model with other topics because it worked so well on the sustainability side. I love it. So you know, as we begin to wrap up here, Kate, just a couple more questions for you. So this year, we are celebrating World Stride's 55th anniversary by collecting the life-changing moments of participants on our programs. It's been a ton of fun to read everyone's stories. And so thinking back to your story, Kate, what was your life-changing moment? Uh, when it comes to studying abroad, I think my life-changing moment was actually during my study abroad experience. I studied in Salamanca, wonderful Spanish city, studying Spanish language during the entire time that I was there. And I did walk into our study abroad support office one day. And I was just like, how did you get this job? Um, it, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that people sought this field out as a professional field. And they said, you know, you should really reach out to your home university and see if they might need an intern when you get back. And I thought, I don't know, I guess what's the worst that could happen. I don't even think we used email at that time. I couldn't tell you how I got in touch with my study abroad office, but they did say yes, shockingly. I never ended up changing my major after that, but I changed my career trajectory 
to focus on higher education rather than elementary ed, which was my original chosen field. And that really helped me kind of think through all of my interests, which were cross-cultural engagements, language learning, and student development. But think of it from the higher education perspective and have that experience coming back to my home university, Niagara University, Niagara Falls, New York, and being able to work with students who were getting ready to study abroad and really build up some resources in what was a one-person office there, you know, helped to plan our first ever study abroad fair on campus as an undergrad intern. That was a huge accomplishment and really gave me that taste of what is possible um, in the higher ed sphere. And I've really never looked back since then and have had the really incredible opportunity to work with amazing mentors and collaborate with folks across the field. This is, as we know, the most welcoming professional field that you could ever work in. Everyone is rooting for you. They met you one minute ago and they're trying to help you, you know, with your entire professional life or implement something really cool that you're trying to do at your university. So um, I feel super lucky to be in this field. What a great story. Yeah, you know, I, I love Salamanca. That's, you know, fun fact. That is that is ISA's first program. That is our flagship location. What a great city. Okay, so we have a lot in common because Salamanca was one of Penn State's first three study abroad locations as well. We launched three at once and Salamanca was one of them. That's a great choice. How funny yeah. that is. <laughs> um, and it just goes to show you the power of that senior year internship. I mean, that's my story too. That's how I fell into the field. You know, because I wandered back in from study abroad and popped into my international programs office at my college in Boston. And, you know, one thing led to another. And here I am today, 15 years later. Amazing. So it's just amazing stuff. As our final question, Kate, um, I want to look forward a little bit. As you think about our field in 2023, what makes you hopeful? Yeah, I am very hopeful about the focus both when it comes to students and when it comes to our colleagues on wellness and resiliency and what is it that people need in this moment where whether you're studying abroad or not, whether you're working in any sector of this field, that people are really being intentional about what our work means, what impact does it have, and how can we minimize the negative impacts whether they are sustainability related or other. The emphasis on that is really uh, just so inspiring to me. And I think it goes hand in hand with making sure that we're taking care of each other as practitioners and that we're taking care of our students. You know, an emphasis on volume of students and what is your ranking has always been really important. But the entire pandemic, I think, has helped people remember that numbers don't mean anything when the real life people that you are working with are humans and their experience is one experience among many. So how can you amplify their voice while also hearing what their needs are and becoming way more flexible to meet those needs than we ever were, um, you know, pre 2020. Well, I can't imagine a better place to end it than right here. Kate, thank you so much for your time. I've certainly learned a lot during this conversation. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. Happy to share more with you um, or anyone else and would reiterate that, you know, some of what we talked about is available on staylocalabroad.org publicly um, and our contact info is on there as well. So that's staylocalabroad.org, right? Yes. And so to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Changing Lives Through Education Abroad. I'm your host, Zach McInnes. 
And please make sure to join us next week as we continue to explore topics around international education and exchange. Please subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Let's create life-changing moments together, people. 